0: i'm melissa carroll and i'm val spies and you're listening to the lotus podcast and today we have a very very special interview we are so delighted to welcome to the show nicole stott who is an american engineer and a former nasa astronaut she spent 27 years as a flight engineer and mission specialist at nasa Having logged 104 days in space and nearly three weeks on the Aquarius undersea habitat, Nicole has seen Earth's bigger picture and provides a unique perspective of our planet. A personal highlight of Nicole's spaceflight experience was the opportunity to paint. She was the first person to paint with watercolors in space. And through her artwork, she uniquely shares the awesome beauty she experienced through the windows of the space shuttle and space station and through the visor of her spacesuit. Nicole considers herself blessed to have had the opportunity to live and work in space and have witnessed the beauty of our planet from that incredible vantage point. She believes that sharing this perspective has the power to increase everyone's appreciation of and obligation to care for our home planet and for each other. Nicole premiered on Will Smith's One Strange Rock series, originally on Netflix, and now on Disney, and she can be found on TED Talks as well. She graduated from Clearwater High School here in Florida, and she earned a Bachelor of Science in Aeronautical Engineering from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, as well as a Master of Science in Engineering Management from the University of Central Florida. And Val, I know that you and Nicole also have a personal connection.
1: Yes, we do. In fact, I was one of Nicole's first flight instructors, Um, as we know she had many, but I had that honor of uh, of flying with Nicole when she was, I don't know, how old were you, Nicole? Like 16 or or so? Yeah, but I think before then too, probably from... You know, for a couple of years, probably
2: 13 on or something. (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah, Yeah, we'd go out in my little Piper cub with the sides open and fly around. And uh, yeah, we had some some good starts there, I would say. Yeah. Most of my students know me as a yoga instructor, so they're quite uh, surprised when they hear about this little bit of a background but I guess I've been around for a while done a few things
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think it's interesting too. I think that you were um, not just a, a flight instructor for me but also a driving instructor and yes taught I taught me how to work the stick shift on that hill in Clearwater right near I, it was the old Moss Brothers you know down near the Starbucks there now but um, I absolutely
1: yeah, was thinking that of that just hysterical. the other day <laughs> yeah, that probably yep. was scarier than the flying, actually. For you, I'm sure, yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh oh. So' um, so fun to have this connection and reading through all that you've accomplished. it is just absolutely amazing. Yeah, so we want to ask a few questions. Okay. <laughs> as I'm sure you get lots and lots of questions, but we're going to take on a little bit of the, uh, the yoga angle here and uh, relating it to um, our studies and experiences of yoga and the philosophical studies especially. So uh, let's see if I can say this right. In 1700, Earth orbits traveling 17,500 miles per hour. Um, <laughs> these these numbers are astounding to me, as I'm sure to many. Um, you must have had some incredible experiences. I mean, this is, I must take you into another realm. Being in this amazing environment that none of us will experience, I'm sure, that are listening to this podcast. Uh, so tell me, where did it take you? I know a lot of the times you must be totally uh, wrapped up in the technical part of it, but when you weren't, did you feel a connection of higher purpose or uh, to higher consciousness? Where did you go in in those vast experiences?
2: I, I, well, first I'll say absolutely, and and I'll also say thanks. You know, thanks for including me here, Melissa. It's nice to meet you, and Val. It's um, it's nice to be back in touch and uh, I think one of the things that having the opportunity to just fly in space did for me was it put me in a place where I could reconnect you know with people in my life either you know immediately as I was getting ready to fly you know trying to track people down and invite them to the launch so they could be part of it and follow along with the spaceflight experience um, and for things like this where we you know, kind of off and on over the time have reconnected and then have really had the opportunity to do that. Be, I think because of this space flight experience, you know, bringing me back to this place, um, which is very, I don't know, it's very meaningful to me. Uh, and it takes me back to, you know, we talked about flying. We talked about driving a car up a hill, but I think all of those things were both subtly and very directly responsible for me Falling in love with flying, wanting to know how things fly to begin with, right? Um, Separating me from the planet and, you know, the first time, you know, flying in those small airplanes and as a kid and then, you know, getting older and experiencing earth from that perspective, Mm, you know, and at that time, I don't know about you. I mean, we probably talked about it. Oh my gosh, look at the little cars, look at the little houses, You know, and at that point, it's really like, oh, you know, the rival high school Largo. Well, that's really not that far away from Clearwater, is it? And Mm -hmm. kind of these shifts in how we relate to each other and, and to Earth, I think. And then having the opportunity to see our planet as a whole, really, to recognize it as a planet that we all share, I don't think you can look at that and not be affected in some way, not have your perspective change a little bit to at least from the reality of it say, oh my gosh, I do live on a planet. Holy moly, it is a planet. It's round. Right? (laughs) You know, um, I'm traveling around it pretty quick, you know, at five miles a second, where you, you know, you lap the earth every, you know, 90 minutes, which is. 16 times in a day and get these beautiful sunrises and sunsets and you know really this this sense of the interconnectivity of it all and i think that's that's ultimately what it came down for me was that there is not a single thing that happens down here about the planet itself or about us that isn't interconnected in some way
1: right so how does that relate to when you watch things in the news? Um, that are harmful, that you don't agree with, um, things like that. Does it give you a different perspective? I think it does. And I
2: think it makes me even more, I don't know if anxious is the word or more uh, like called maybe to share the experience I had in space, to try to relate it to people as many as I can in some way that you know using spaceflight, you know the views that we have from Earth to you know show people this interconnectivity uh, and 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 hopefully I mean I really hold hope that that kind of awareness will get people thinking differently about their place, their role here on earth, and understand that um, I don't know in the simplest sense we really all need to be crew members not passengers you know here on spaceship earth that is not a new term i mean that's something that's been out there for you know since before buckminster fuller you know used the words but um
1: yeah take there, some responsibility
2: maybe for, yeah yeah to you know with what we're going through right now even you know i look at it like um None of us want to be locked up in our house. We'd rather do yoga in the studio with you, right, than, you know, virtually. (laughs) Um, Thankfully, we have the opportunity to do that, right? We take advantage of these communication tools that we have so that we can, you know, still do some of those things that we love. We don't want to be locked up in our houses. But I think, you know, the people that are acknowledging that, hey, I need to stay home, I need to wear my mask when I go, all those kinds of things are recognizing that, by doing that, it's about saving all of humanity. It's about saving our crew. And there's a lot of stuff we do in space that, you know, we'd much rather be looking out the window than cleaning the toilet, you know, but Mm -hmm. in order for us to have a healthy crew on board the space station, we all have to take our turn doing that sometime. And um, that's how I'm trying to look at this. And, And I think it applies to other things too, you know, climate change to, you know, the way we eat food and make food to the way we just, you know, just treat each other.
1: Absolutely. I know I've definitely been feeling that as I bring fruit and vegetables into the house and wash them very carefully. And, and it's just um, slowing me down and uh, generating a lot more respect for my surroundings. Um, And I'm sure that seeing the earth as a whole would absolutely take you into that place the beauty of it and just must be overwhelming I don't even know how you can take it all in <laughs> <laughs> you know that's
2: a that's a great word because um when people do ask me well, what was the view like I, I mean that's a word I use I mean it was almost like just overwhelmingly impressively beautiful stunning in a way that um in a way that I don't think I expected. I thought that from the pictures and videos and conversations with people who'd flown before that I'd be ready for it, right? Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, from the first look out the window to the very last one, and everyone in between, you are surprised, you are stunned. Um, It's like, you know, I I always use this story, my son was seven when I flew the first time, and so, When I spoke to him first about what the Earth looked like, I I tried to come up with some seven-year-old way to describe it, and it seems to work for adults too. So I go with it, Um, and that was that. You know, okay, Roman, imagine you're looking at the the brightest light bulb you've ever seen, and you haven't turned it on yet, but you splatter it with all the colors that you know Earth to be, and then you turn it on and you look at it, and you almost you gotta like let your eyes adjust to how glowy and iridescent and just beautiful it is crystal clear
0: mm. and
2: um and then now imagine that against the blackest black you've ever seen <laughs> and, you know crystal clear black and it's just yeah like this iridescence mm-hmm. this translucence and that is what it looked like every time
1: Mm. you look out
2: the window and, and I don't care if you were flying over the same place again. I mean, I looked for Florida a lot, you know, if I knew we were flying over Florida, I wanted to see Uh Florida and it just looked different every time it would be night and the lights where the cities are would be glowing or daytime and these swirly white clouds and the blues and turquoises and, you know, like blues. I never, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't think I've ever seen that blue before, you know, as you see it in the water that's surrounding the state and, um, Lightning. I mean, that talk about interconnectivity. You know, I don't know about you guys, but you know, here in Florida, I grew up thinking, okay, you know, there's a storm. You know, we have thunderstorms all the time. Mm -hmm. It's happening over the top of me. And then I always thought when it was gone, it was gone. But that's not true. I mean, you look at Earth and especially at night when you could see the storms, you know, it might start over Florida but it's like weaving its way all the way across the planet. You know, I'd watch it move like these neurons firing on this planet that just totally looked alive from Florida and wrapping all the way around the, you know, across Hmm. Africa on the other side of the planet. And that was, I mean, that was this, I I mean, it was like that light bulb moment of, oh my gosh, everything is connected.
1: Yeah. So this feeling that we're having now of, all over the world experiencing this pandemic. Um, Actually, those kind of experiences go on all the time where we're having a storm and then that same storm is visiting another part of the world. And uh, there is that connection that we just don't tune into typically that is so um, much more vast than we can comprehend in our day-to-day lives, I think. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I think this this situation that we're in right now,
2: it's I don't, you know, as far as I know, I mean, no one I know has experienced anything like this before, right? Mm-hmm. And um, perhaps some of the much older generation, you know, through the war and things that, that, that might have even been more, you know, quite honestly, are probably worse than what we're having to deal with staying in our own homes where we have food right. and
0: Exactly. You know, I can't
2: speak for everyone. I can only th- speak from my perspective. I know everybody does not have it um, the same way. You know, there right. are struggles going on that you know. Honestly, I just can't even imagine. But um, you look at it. We've not. It's 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 this opportunity to recognize that there are things that don't discriminate. You know, there's nothing about where on this planet you're from. That you know, this this disease is targeting, you know, this virus is targeting more than another. There's nothing about what color you are, what you know, um, gender you are. Nothing, nothing about it. There's no mm. discrimination.
1: Doesn't and matter I, how much money you make.
2: Does, does not matter. <laughs> it's 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 unifying in a very scary way. I think. Yes, but it might help us recognize that. Oh my gosh, you know, we can rally together as one human species. And um mm. and take care of things, yeah,
1: yeah, more divine perspective uh.
0: well, it is just so fascinating because so much of what you 're saying, Nicole, is correlated to so much of what we study in yoga and trying to take that big picture view instead of being so narrowed in our perception, getting caught up in our daily distractions, and you just mentioned too the um the, the fear that so many folks are feeling and how it is almost a unifying response. In yoga, we do a lot of work and we practice a lot of techniques to calm the mind and find balance in our responses when we're faced with emotional distress. And I'm just also very curious with how you have dealt with fear in your experiences.
2: You know, honestly, I think you just described it perfectly, This this idea of practice and awareness and training, right? Developing a knowledge of something. And um, that's as, you know, when you look at like astronaut training and getting ready to go to space, I would argue that the same thing is true when you're learning how to fly an airplane and, and developing this situational awareness of what's going on around you and being able to even separate, you know, to separate from the distractions, because if you allow yourself to get too honed in on them, you know, you're not paying attention to what you need to control the airplane, or mm. uh, you know, see what's on what's in the airspace around you. Um, the same thing happens, you know, for us when we train to go to space. We are doing so much training; pretty much all of it, in some way or another, is about how you work as a team. But then, on top of that, is okay. How do you work in, as a team when it's really hitting the fan? And <laughs> yes. there are all these things that you Think you know can go wrong you're figuring out how to deal with them and I think what that does is it's, it's it's a little bit of a calming thing too to have gone through all of the training and see how you work with your crew in this really effective kind of diligent deliberate and respectful way to in whatever humanly possible way there is to solve the problem right and to feel comfortable that if that happens for real in space You'll come together the same way to do that. And I was so pleased to see that happen in space. You know, when the emergency alarms go off at three o'clock in the morning and everybody's floating out of their crew compartment and you're Mm -hmm. making sure you've um, got track of all your crewmates and you're all going and doing the thing and behaving just like you did in training and treating it like it's real until you know it might not be. I mean, that is a really impressive thing to see happen. And I think I try to apply that and, you know, to other places in my life. You know, sadly, we aren't all like on a daily basis training for everything that can go wrong, which, <laughs> which I think is a good thing too. You know, we don't want, I mean, talk about ways to really let fear take over is if, if every time you turn around, you're worried about what can go wrong, that's, that's not a good place to be either. So I would guess that what, what is done with the practice of yoga is also, um, uh, the ability to kind of transcend mm. and, uh, when I think about that view out the window, uh, it is absolutely the closest thing I can I can come to with respect to meditation here on, on Earth. I mean, I was absorbed in a way I, I had never felt before. And that same thing is what happens to me when I meditate as well.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask you about uh, meditation in, uh, I, I went to the thing that you did with the philharmonic and everything, and I thought I heard just, you know, suggestions in that direction about meditation and and how meditation really does bring you into the present moment, which is uh, one way that we can deal with fear is to see what's right here in front of you right now, which it sounds like that's exactly what you were doing with your crew members. Uh, but uh, it seems like you also were uh, doing your artwork up in space. And to me, that's a form of meditation as well. Did you think of it as that way? I, I think I did. You know, Maybe not in you know uh, real time,
2: like as I picked up the brush, ooh, I'm meditating now. It wasn't like right. that. Um, right. I think it's the same as how if I if I have the time to paint here or to really, you know, really get um, involved with a piece of art, it is, it's like the rest of the world kind of, kind of blurs around you. Right. And you're, you right. really are into sure. it and mm-hmm. channeled. And um, yeah, so I did feel that way in space too. Uh, I think the, the closest thing though, really in that, that, and what I compare now to how I feel when I meditate was um was the view out the window, was just being completely absorbed in that view out the window to the point where, honestly, I um, had my little mega watch on and I would set an alarm. (laughs) Because I knew if I got in front of the window during the workday, a whole orbit would go by before I would even realize that I'd been there for 90 minutes and when you're, you know, I mean, they're paying you to be there and do work, you know, you know, you'd get this call from mission control. Hey, Nikki, uh, I think we're paying you to like do the science or something up there. (laughs) And, um, but you are, you're, you're just immersed in it. And I kind of joke around though. It is, it is legit. Um, so now imagine meditating in one of those float tanks, one of those sensory deprivation tanks, That is the best. That yeah. is it. Because that was, when I've done that, that's been the closest to what it felt like to just float in space too.
1: Mm-hmm. Now you
2: got to keep the lid closed. You got to go dark. Um, Cause you got to keep that water, you know, at body temperature, you can't feel like you have water around you. Mm-hmm. And just the way I can move my body in that tank was the closest thing to what it felt like to float and fly in space.
1: Oh, boy. I just don't know how you, on top of that, then kept yourself focused on on the job to be done. But I guess <laughs> there's really no choice. You have to do that. <laughs>
2: there isn't. And I mean, you know, you talk about th- there's so much about flying in space. It's just a surreal thing. Like, I am so thankful for the pictures and videos that proved to me I was there. I know I was, but, y- you know, it's it's kind of strange to think that I was. And doing a spacewalk, that was absolutely the surrealist of surreal, because now you're out in your own little spaceship, you're you know just through your visor is between you and the vacuum of space, and um, I don't know that that is there's just something about that that kind of
1: was very different. <laughs> Yes, to say the least. So how was it painting? I mean, you described that a little bit at the concert. Um, about... Yeah,
2: it was fun. It was it was one of those things. I mean, I think about like the painting in space, kind of like uh, putting the human in human spaceflight, you know, like, okay, we're doing human things up there too. We're not just working, we're living there in space now. And on my first flight, I was there for a little over three months. So there was going to be some free time. And you know, if you weren't a photographer before you got to the space station, you become one for sure. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of photography, but having the paint kit there and the opportunity to do that was really special. And it's, it's certainly been kind of key to me and how I want to communicate the experience since retiring from NASA, but oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things that I have like one picture that my my crewmate Bob Thirst took of painting in space. And I think now about wow, man, it would have been really nice if I had activated my brain cells to videotape it. Because I think it just would have been a really cool way to just show in general what it was like to live in this microgravity, you know, floating environment where you have to keep track of all your stuff and water behaves differently, and you're floating, and I mean all these things. And Right. You, know, so,
1: Didn't you say you had to, um, to put your paintbrush into a dot of water floating around? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So instead, of, you know, you don't have cups of water up there, you know, and there's no gravity <laughs> to keep water in a cup or to keep the cup on a table, you know, it just doesn't happen. So I would squirt these tiny little balls of water out of, we have these drink bags kind of, I don't know, if you imagine like a, a kid's drink bag, Capri Sun bag mm-hmm. or something with the straw on the top and had a little valve on the top of the straw. And so I'd squirt a little ball of water out. And while it was still sticking, this little sphere of water was still sticking to the end of the straw. I would dip the brush into it, Mm -hmm. but it was so cool because I never had to actually touch the brush to the water. It's like the water wanted to move over onto the brush all by itself. Like there was some mysterious attractive force to it or something. I, you know, there's probably some sciencey explanation for it surface tension or, charged particles or static or something i don't know but it was just really cool to watch this ball of water move to the end of the brush and then move from the brush to the colored paint and then the colored ball of water move back and it it was just kind of this i don't know visually it was an interesting thing too to just watch happen and then painting itself was different because if you touch the brush with the colored ball of water to the paper all of it got absorbed at one time. (laughs) So it was just going to be like some big blob. (laughs) And I wanted to paint something. So you had to almost, you had to just kind of drag the ball of water along the colored ball of water along the paper to,
1: to do it. Everything such an experience, huh? Yeah, Yeah. And it
2: was, it was like, to me, I think about that now. It's like, this is, it was like an adventure. I don't think you'd want everything to be the same as it is down here on earth. You want to, you want it to be a little bit different whether it's the way you wash your hair or go to the bathroom or eat or sleep all of it was just kind of special that it was a little bit different
1: yeah it's kind of like the practice of mindfulness um, And in i medit uh, you know it's meditation but it's also meditation in motion in in your actions and everything that you're just so focused and so I'm attuned to your actions. Um, it sounds like it's kind of like that, and we try really hard to practice mindfulness around here, um, but it's not always so easy.
2: I think that's a really great way to think of it. You know, I always try to describe to people that, you know, when you're moving around your body, when you're moving from one place to another, inside the space station, or when you're out on a spacewalk, it's the the same thing. You're you're now able to move freely in three dimensions so you're not just walking on the floor or sitting in your chair and moving left right you know climbing it's all of it you can move in all three dimensions at the same time kind of like doing aerobatics you know in the airplane you can make it move that way and it's really cool how our brain and our bodies adapt very quickly to that kind of sensory thing that has to happen to allow you to move gracefully like that Mm -hmm. and to roll and spin and just tap the side of the wall and push from one end to the other. And, you know, to, to know how to mindfully be able to move your body that way without Mm -hmm. even thinking about it though. Like it was almost, it just became what you did.
1: Right. And they're new sensory perceptions. I, I think I experienced a bit of that in skydiving too, where um, your body is just moving in a different element and the smallest uh, movement of a hand or finger could um, turn you completely in a different direction. So, yeah, yeah, it takes at first a lot more attention, but then <laughs> it becomes part of you like everything else. And um, it'd be nice if we could all bring that kind of attention, not only into actions that we're doing, um, but into our words that we speak to other people and the messages that we're sending out there. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I think it's a, I, I I think the mindfulness word is really very good there too. You know, that, that approach to things, to be mindful of how you behave, not just how you move, but how you behave and to be thoughtful about it. And um, yeah, especially, you know, there's, I know some of the best leadership training I've gotten has been the one and this expeditionary training we do is is more important really to learn how to be um, a good follower than the leader all the time. You know, to know that you could lead and have ways of doing that, but really to be able to take in all the input from around you and the guidance that you're getting perhaps from somebody who's telling you what to do or encouraging you to do something, and then being able to thoughtfully do that um, mm. and keep your mouth shut too. <laughs> That's, a That's a good point. Right? <laughs> there could be stillness and silence and you can still get stuff really effectively done. <laughs> right.
0: Just one last question. And thank you again. This conversation is just so illuminating and it is so fascinating to see the parallels um with the the kinship that you experienced out in space uh with everything on this planet that we also try to grasp and grapple with in our mindfulness practice as well so it's really beautiful to see the parallels between these two adventures so to speak (laughs) Um, But in your experience, obviously in space, and you spent 18 days in the underwater laboratory, uh, NEMO, right, Um, you've certainly had to become accustomed to dealing with feelings of confinement. And so what tips do you have today for those of us, so many of us, most of us, who are honoring the Safer at Home orders?
2: Yes, well first, thank you for honoring the safe at Home. orders I think it's really I I, it's just the responsible thing to do Um, I I think two things are that that come to mind the most Um, one is you know you go to space you go live underwater you are really you're being given this I don't know this gift of being able to look at things differently right Mm -hmm. to look around you yourself in a totally different way. I mean, as as we would always joke, you know, we go, we live underwater to prepare to go live in space. So we go live in inner space to learn how to live and work in outer space. And, and the analog between those two missions is so, so perfect. Um, It was the best Mm -hmm. prep to go to live on a space station. And I think what I'm trying to do right now, and what I try to encourage um, other people to do as well, while we're staying safely at home, is that Take advantage of the time to look around you a little bit differently, to appreciate what you might not have seen before about what you're seeing every day. You know, I mean, we all see our houses every day, but we might not have really looked at them in a little bit different way. And just looking out the window, the view out the window, you know, in space and underwater, that was our connection to the nature that surrounded us. -hmm. And that same thing can happen for us here, and um, I think building that um, connection—you know, what you thought you were used to and seeing it in a new way—is really, really powerful. It's, I think, it's a lot about how we reflect internal too, how we get this inner, maybe intra connection, you know, to be able to connect to ourselves um, as well is a really healthy thing. And then I would say the other thing is communication. I mean, it's maybe a little bit more on the technical side, but it's about connection again, but with with our people. You know, we need to take advantage of all these really wonderful tools we have. Um, communicate outside of the space you're in. You know, um, reach out to people you know are in the same situation or who might be in a worse situation than you, and uh, and try to lift them up. Um, and I think that lifts us up at the same time. And, uh, I mean, we did that in space for sure.
1: Mm. I love what you said about inner space and outer space, because <laughs> that's so connected to everything that we do in these philosophical studies is, um, you know, yeah. working inwardly so that you can be at peace with the, the outer experience. I just
2: think it's so, you know, with, with the limit, I will tell you the limit, this conversation inspires me to do more actually the limited yoga experience I've had, I've had a growing um, kind of practice of meditation, which has been very um, positive for me. Uh, I didn't do it before I went to space. I do it now. It allows me to kind of live again that um, experience in space. But I think it also, it can be really, you can get really strong feelings generated from that, that, you know, that make you realize about stuff that you might not have been dealing with, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it it allows you to um, acknowledge that and and deal with it if you want to, I suppose. Um, and that's, I think that's perhaps what we're getting the opportunity to do right now.
0: Absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you again. This conversation, I think, has just been um, so nourishing, and this is going to really uplift a lot of folks who listen to this and and give us that necessary perspective shift pun intended that that we really could all use these days so thank you so much nicole again for joining us
2: you're welcome and i wouldn't i wouldn't be doing my job if i didn't do my usual and val heard this before but i really you know i i have a strong belief in this you know crew member versus passenger thing Mm. and um, kind of the simp- you know, the simple lessons we learn from, you know, pretty uh, impressive experiences. And for me, the space thing came down to, you know, really this idea of living on a planet, um, that we're all earthlings, you know, only border that matters, thin blue line of atmosphere. And I can tell you, even though this planet is small, it is hugely significant. I, I mean, certainly to all of us as our life support system and you know, we think about it—grand scheme of universe. A little bit closer, a little bit further from the sun. Not so good for us. So we should we should be honoring this this place and um, and the crewmates we share it with.
1: Mm, beautiful. Well, it's so great to um, connect with you, Nicole. Thank you so much for your time. Very welcome, ladies. Thanks for inviting me. Okay.
0: Thank you. And thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please give us a follow, like it, give us a five star review, and share it with a friend who you also think would be uplifted by these words. And stay tuned for more episodes of the Lotus Podcast. Thank you all so very much.